We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Touchdown, Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. Welcome in, everybody. Hour number two, kicking off with one of our favorite segments of the week. We appreciate Dan Israel, Chiefs Radio Network, coming in. Dan, a little under the weather, weather Jad tells us. A good time for a bye week then, I suppose, huh, Dan? <laughs> you got that right. My voice needs about three weeks, I think. Yeah, it's uh, boy. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, a hot toddy, maybe. Um, that's about, that's about <laughs> like all the that advice. It's worth a try. That's about all the adv- about all the advice I got. We'll 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 keep it simple and easy today for you. Then, Dan, I guess it's a bye week. It's probably a a pretty busy week for the front office, as you see, you know, trade rumors and everything. Um, going crazy as teams are trying to position themselves gut feeling dan do you think the chiefs will make an addition to this roster uh, before the trade deadline i do i don't think it would have gone to the trouble to to reorganize kelsey's salary if they weren't intent on getting somebody in there looking at fort obj i don't know about that but i'm sure they're interested i'm sure they've talked to him i'm sure they've talked to several people but i would think somebody's coming in i would expect somebody yeah, you know, I wonder, Dan, and we, we've talked about this, Jacob and I have a few different times, about what uh, what Kansas City would potentially have to give up uh, to get somebody, whether it's on the defensive side of the ball um, or maybe even a wide receiver. How comfortable are you with, if there is some sort of trade uh, in addition to this team, with giving up potentially a, a draft pick or two to make that happen? Well, you know, the, the Chiefs are so good at the draft. I, I hate the idea of that. But I also think the Chiefs are good at the draft in the later rounds. You know, the last day of the draft, look what they did this year and look what they did last year in the seventh rounds. So I, I guess I'm okay with it. I, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want our defense to suffer from this because I really feel like, especially you kind of saw Juju Smith-Huster and even a little MVS emerging on Sunday, not, not to mention McCall Hartman, right? So all the receivers kind of seem to be, clicking all of a sudden maybe it's the looming trade deadline that could be but uh i still think we need some help in the secondary so as long as they can manage to either bring in somebody defensively or if they bring in somebody offensively they don't they don't give away too much i just feel like the chiefs are going to continue to need to build this this defense yeah i I agree and depth at wide receiver will be interesting to see but at least at the top end now you are seeing that development Patrick Mahomes seems to be ahead of a lot of the quarterbacks Dan and in it's been a weird year for quarterback uh, there have been struggles that we certainly didn't expect and I almost think and and you would know more about this than I do when I hear the league has adjusted and does the two deep safeties and all the things that have changed now 
That's what Patrick Mahomes dealt with last year, and it just seems like his struggles last year equate somewhat to the struggles league-wide we've seen from quarterbacks outside of Josh Allen this year, that he just he's already gotten this out of the way. That's why he seems to be doing fine with it. Well, I think to some degree you're right with respect to the league is building quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. You know, I mean, that's what they're targeting. And so the, the same defense that is effective or was effective against Patrick Mahomes is now being effective against those same quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, some of the leagues. Even, you know, you're seeing even Jalen Hurts a little bit get some of this. So I, I do feel like you're right in that Mahomes has got a year on him, maybe two in some cases. And so the one thing I'll give Mahomes is, man, this, this kid studies so hard. And I think that's really something that Alex Smith taught him and something that he's kept going. And it's mostly, not mostly, but it's a big part of what makes him successful to go in and play opponents that he doesn't normally see. You know, we don't routinely see the NFC. So, you know, we see the 49ers every, you know, once every four years, we see the, the Tampa Bay Bucks once every four years, if you take the postseason out of this. But the, uh, it's just fascinating to, for me to see how well as he is adjusting to whatever the defenses are giving him. I think that's one of the things that's always been amazing about Tom Brady is he can really he, – he's got a, a weapon against every defense you can throw at him, and it's very hard to fool him. As Mahomes matures, he's in year six now. Wait till he's in year eight or ten. He's just going to be so good. Yeah, Mahomes was 25 of 34, 423 through the air and three touchdowns against the 49ers on Sunday. And Dan, uh, you know, that that game uh, was, uh, you know, a statement victory for Kansas City. Um, So much hype around the 49ers, especially with the addition of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, The Chiefs get down by 10 early on, and you could definitely tell the intensity that the 49ers had coming out of the gate. But we all know Patrick Mahomes, and you know he's thirteen and nine now when trailing by ten or more points, uh, which is just remarkable. What do you equate that shift to from being down ten early, and then Mahomes leading the charge and the Chiefs leading at halftime and then pulling away in the second half? Is that just another example of the greatness of Patrick Mahomes? I think to some degree it is. It's they they stick with their plan and they have trust that Mahomes will somehow managed to make plays when they bust. But I also think the 49ers came out with this just incredible intensity. And they were either still stinging from Super Bowl 54 or for whatever reason, man, they were fired up and they came out. And so they put us in this 10-point hole. And I think what happens is that's very hard to maintain that for 60 minutes. The Chiefs just kept plowing away, just going to work and, you know, inching it out. And before long – they have it tied up, and then all of a sudden, every the, I felt like there was a physical conditioning element to this as well, where the Chiefs were just in better physical condition because by the third and fourth quarters, you could really tell the 49ers were spent. And and when that began to happen, uh, it just seemed like the Chiefs were able to, you know, find these huge gaps in the secondary of the 49ers. I mean, that one that I think uh, was at MVS caught over the middle between those cover two safeties. There wasn't anyone within 20 yards of him. And it just, it, I feel like it's kind of a combination of all that. But I think it all starts with the belief that no matter how far behind we are here, Mahomes can figure out a way, Mahomes and Kelsey and, and the team leaders can figure out a way to get this done. And I think it helps, too, that the, the defense was, you know, going out and, and, and sometimes holding the 49ers, completely getting them off the field without scoring. And, and even though, you know, the Sky Moore muffed punt, 
seemed like it was going to be another disaster in the making. Mm. It turned around, the defense turns around and grabs the, the momentum right back. Dan Israel, executive producer, Chiefs Radio Network, joining us as he does every Tuesday here on Sports Daily. You can, of course, hear all the Chiefs games over on our sister station, KNSS. Uh, all kinds of Chiefs programming, including tonight at 6 o'clock. You've got the Chiefs Kingdom show right here on KFH. It's interesting, Dan, sometimes predicting the NFL is a fool's errand. And we looked at this schedule before the season started and thought, oh, my God, it'll never let up. Now we look at this schedule after the bye week, considering the Rams are down. The entire AFC West isn't living up to expectation. Tennessee is down. You know, Seattle, oddly, is one of the games you look at as maybe a challenge, but it's not as daunting as it once appeared, and it feels like, along with Buffalo, Kansas City has a leg up right now on the rest of the league. Do you think that will continue, or do you think some of these AFC West teams will get better and reach anywhere close to the expectations we had for them before this season started? That's a really good question. I was sitting at dinner last night watching the Chicago Bears just beat up on the New England Patriots, and I kept thinking to myself, what is going on with this year? You know, I mean, just all these crazy, you know, the Eagles. Who expected the Eagles to be undefeated? I just I feel like uh, some of that is not sustainable. I think some of the good teams, the well-coached teams, will return to their own. You know, I don't expect – I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett's going to make it out of his first year. I do think at some point Russell Wilson will put the Denver Broncos on his on the, on his back and make it happen, even though it it just doesn't look like that's possible at this point. I, I really think Russell Wilson's a a kind of a he's a team player, and so he's going to try to do what the coaches want. But at some point, he's just going to say, "I'd rather win," and I think he'll he'll kind of spark the Broncos at some point. I just think it's going to be too little, too late. With the Raiders, I, I can't imagine how they have a roster full of talent the way they do, and they're somehow not managing to make it more effective than it is. So I feel like from the AFC West standpoint, it's still us and the Chargers. Chargers go down in defeat, so they're a couple of games behind now. I think if the Chiefs hold their own, the AFC West I don't think is going to ever amount to being the arms race that we thought it was going to be. But I, I do think the – the NFC East is going to be going to stay that surprise for the rest of the year. I think you're going to see, you know, a lot happen out of that. The other day, the commanders beating the Packers. What was that about? Right. You know, I commanders can't do anything. They can't even sell coffee mugs. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like there's a 50, 50 kind of, I think some of these teams will start to straighten out, but other ones are going to take the lead they have and run with it all the way through. Dan, it's been an ongoing conversation throughout the entire season, actually even before the season started when Tyreek Hill was traded to the Dolphins. What will the offense look like, especially in the wide receiver room? And on Sunday against the 49ers, it was the first time in, what, over 20 years that the Chiefs had two receivers go over 100 yards in receiving. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling both had over 100 yards in receiving. Juju added a touchdown. McCole Hardman had three touchdowns in the game. Travis Kelsey uh, was very nearly over 100 yards receiving. Um, there, this ongoing conversation about when will these wide receivers show up and what's that going to look like? And do the Chiefs need to go out and trade for a wide receiver? Do they need to sign Odell Beckham Jr.? Uh, do, you, do you believe that this was a one-off or does this put to bed any kind of conversation about needing to improve the wide receiver room? I think you have to do it more than once to, to truly put it to bed. But 
boy, is it encouraging. I mean, it's the first time we've seen since camp really what the potential, what we thought was the potential we saw at camp come to fruition. I mean, you said it. You, you had three receivers that were setting, you know, on pace to be highlight days, and you had Kelsey just two yards from, from breaking a record for 100-yard games. I mean, what a fantastic day where you've got four people being productive. Name me one time when Tyreek Hill was in the was a member of the Kansas City Chiefs where you could say that there were four productive members like that. I, I, it's probably there, but you'd have to go through and find it. I think if they can do it again, then we're talking. I mean, then then you're then you're in a situation where you can make the argument. We don't need another wide receiver. We've got enough firepower right here, and I think all of that is taking is not taking into account the potential that Sky Moore has. I feel sorry for Sky because it just seems like he's getting these opportunities. He starts to get, he starts to come on strong, and then he kind of fumbles. But <clears throat> at some point, those are just the ways a young player matures. And and if you can get Sky more into this mix, and even if he can be a fifty seventy five yard a day kind of guy, I mean, look at the firepower that's in that wide receiver room. That's what we've been talking about since they made the tr- trades for Valdez Scantling and and for Sh- Smith Schuster and. And I just feel like it, it was really, really amazing to watch it come to play, especially with MBS. He had, I think he had a 57-yard long, right? I think it was three for 111. Yeah. Three catches yeah. for 111 yards. Uh, it's pretty impressive, man. And, and to have all those guys clicking on the same day really makes you – it's certainly, if they can do that again, it certainly does put that to bed because you won't miss Tyree. Oh, yeah. You can't cover that many people. And, and, you know, they invested high draft capital in Sky Moore. Maybe he's depth, which they also need. So, yeah, let's if we see it again, my goodness, uh, I think that'll yeah. be uh, I think that'll be that'll be uh, that'll be Super Bowl caliber. But they got to do it again. And they've they've looked good two weeks in a row, really. Um, but that was by far their best performance. The other part of the offense that's interesting and changing and evolving. Uh, and then we'll we'll let you get to rest in that voice, Dan, is is the running back room. And Pacheco got the start. Pacheco got the most carries, uh, which I thought was interesting. It was almost an even split with Clyde, but that also looks like a position that continues to evolve as this season goes on. Yeah, I I just love the way Pacheco runs. There's just a decisiveness to it. He doesn't hesitate. He explodes. and, And he doesn't, you know, it's not like every play you can count on him for seven yards. But every play you encounter to be strong. So even when he has one yard and he gets brought down, the next play he's going to get eight yards. You know, I mean, I really feel like he has this explosiveness that maybe Clyde Edwards doesn't. Maybe Clyde is a little more finesse than than Pacheco. And Pacheco is just in. This is my hole. I'm going through it. And nobody's going to stop me. I love his yards after contact. And I like the, the other thing here, guys, to really keep in mind is that we had, and I feel like with Pacheco that. There was certainly a tone set against the 49ers. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to have to stop this or we are going to eat you alive because we've got receivers too, and that's exactly what they did. So I think in a lot of ways the tone was set early by Pacheco's running. But the other thing I think you have to keep in mind is that they did all of this wide receiving, all of this rushing against a very good 49ers defense. That is not you know, a pedestrian defense by any means. Uh, stopping Nick Bosa alone is the three-man job. And so I, I feel like they got all of that done against a, a high-caliber defense. I feel sorry for these teams that are going to face the Chiefs that don't have that 
because, man, I mean, you just can't imagine what what the day will be like. Yeah, and and we get a bye week now, and Andy Reid out of the bye is always a sight to see, it seems. All right, Dan, well, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for powering through for us. You've got the Chief Kingdom show tonight on KFH. <laughs> That's at 6 o'clock. Uh, rest up. You got, you know, these bye weeks are there for a reason. You got to get That's back right. on the mend here. We had National Tight Ends Day. Now we have the bye week for the broadcasters day. That's right. We appreciate it. Dan, thank you. Let's do it again next week ahead of uh, ahead of the next game coming out of that bye. There goes Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. Always appreciate those visits, and you can always catch them if you missed them at kfhradio.com. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Interesting and really, um, I loved it, sound from Lance Leipold yesterday. Sort of fits into what we've been talking about with KU football for a while and Get you fired up, I think, if you're a KU fan. We'll hit on that next on Sports Daily. Go ahead. I think I want to hear this. Sports Daily is on KFH. Everybody, Sports Daily on KFH. Our thanks to Dan Israel for joining us, Chiefs Radio Network. Uh, playing injured on the mend through the bye week for the Chiefs. Appreciate that from Dan. Appreciate Craig Porter in the first hour. You can catch both of those interviews if you missed them at kfhradio.com. All right. Uh, so we have Lance Leipold. He's moved his media availability to Mondays. So I, I know that doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but that's why, you know, sometimes we hear things from uh, from KU a little bit earlier in the week. Um, it's interesting, and we'll get to that sound in just a second. But, Tommy, you took a call uh, from a listener who we love, who listens to the show all the time, who's apparently accused me of being a KU hater. Uh, because that I have pointed out the possibility of exactly what's happening for KU this year, and curious about how the fans would receive it. Um, you know, I, well, number one, I'm not a KU hater. I've literally bet on them every week this season, so uh, definitely not a KU hater. Uh, but it's interesting that that level, and to be quite honest, I appreciate that level of defense from KU football fans because it it feels relevant again right you know that sort of um although i would say it's misguided anger is 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 because ku football is relevant again which is why we're having all these conversations which is of course a good thing it is but i i I don't i go back to what we talked about yesterday and and we've discussed it multiple times like i i I'm not going to move away from my position that even losing out you know over the last four games of the season 
chalks this season up to a disappointment. I just don't believe that um, because five wins is substantially better than anything that Kansas has been able to put on the football field for the last 15 years. It's a step in the right direction. It's a building block. And, you know, sure, like expectations shift when you go to 5-0, and you get in the top 25, college game day comes to town. But I think it's okay for expectations to shift back a little bit and to realize, hey, this is still a rebuild and we're still in the middle of a rebuild. We've taken some really positive steps. And even if that event happens, which I don't necessarily, I'm not sold, I don't believe that it really truly will. I think Kansas can still win another game and make it to a bowl. Uh, but even if they don't, I still chalk it up as a successful season. It, it will be a successful season, no question, when we look back to the expectation coming in. And it's and this is we'll get to this Lance Leipold sound now because it's spot on relevant to what we've been talking about now for really the whole season. I mean, as this is happening, this storyline has presented itself as a possibility and an injury, unfortunately, has played a ma- two injuries have played a major, major role in that. But it's not over. And and the reality is. Lance Leipold and this team feels a little bit of pressure now to get that final win, to get into a bowl game. And the fact that they do is meaningful. Here's Lance Leipold talking about those expectations and how they've changed in his time from KU this coming yesterday as he spoke to the media this week. You know, we're pretty frustrated. Obviously, we fell behind by a lot, battled back, but we lost by 12, right? A year ago, we lost a 12 to Oklahoma, and everybody stood up and clapped. So this program's come a long way, and we're proud of that. And, and, and now when people are frustrated with 12-point losses, we're probably where we need to be. Now we've got to get it fixed. God, I love that. And it is, it. it is perfectly what we've talked about. The fact that we're having this conversation is so refreshing. But it's still a conversation that has to be had. they got to get one more, Tommy. they got to get one more and get to that bowl. They have the talent to do so. Um, you know, they, they lost Daniel Highshaw for the season. Um, you know, he won't be back. But Jalen Daniels, uh, it looks like is trending in the right direction, which is solid. Um, and that's good. And, you know, he he has that playmaking ability uh, to be able to keep the Jayhawks uh, relevant, you know, throughout the last four games of the season, if he can make it back in time for Oklahoma State. Jason Bean has filled in admirably. Uh, he's done some good things, but he's done some questionable things uh, also over the last couple of games. Um, but I, I think that, yeah, you mentioned the pressure is on Lance Leipold to win one more game and make it to a bowl. And I don't disagree with you, but I don't think that pressure is as heavy as you might think it is. I think that there's, I don't think it's, oh my God, you know, if you're Lance Leipold, man, I've got to get one more win because I've got to take him to a bowl this season. I think in Lance Leipold's mind, it is let's continue to improve and fix the mistakes and let's try to win as many games as we possibly can, but let's trend in the right direction as we we finish out the season. And I that's that's got to be the motivation moving forward. Yeah, in, you know, I, I think if you were to, to ask him privately, absolutely he wants to get one more win to make it to sure. a bowl game. But more than anything else, he wants this program to continue to be moving in the right direction, bowl game or not. Yeah, and 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 that will have happened right direction um, as long as he's there. Um, I, I think either way. But I do I do get the sense that it will be 
I don't even know, deflating's not the right word because deflating would be what I don't think it will be. Disappointing, I think, is the right word. I think fans will be appropriately disappointed if they don't get the bowl game after a 5-0 and start. We saw this in 2009, right? I, I think a totally different kind of buzz than in 2009. Yeah, 2009, um, the buzz was really bad. Uh, and and you, could, you could see the edge of the cliff in 2009. Yeah. That was right around the time that the investigations into Mark Mangino started. And you could kind of tell that, you know, you're staring right into into the headlights of an oncoming freight train, and it's taken this long uh, to get away from it. So, I mean, yeah, the, the buzz is significantly different now. Even if they lose out, even if they finish 5-7, and seven, even if they miss a bowl game, the buzz is significantly different than it was in 2009. And I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think you do either. I do think they'll find a way to get at least one more win, um, and it will feel all the much sweeter if they do it despite the unfortunate injuries that they've had but they're going to do it as an underdog in every game that they play the rest of the way. They're going to be an underdog. And that's okay. They've gotten plenty of wins. They've been an underdog all but, what, one week, I think, this year, the opener? I think that was the only time they were favored in a game, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, so nothing new you know, for this team. It's going to take a good game from Jason Bean. It's going to take some big plays. It's probably, Tommy, going to take a big-time performance collectively from the defense which we've seen in spurts, right, the last two weeks, two good halves and two bad halves. So it will take that, and it may have to come on the road, and all of those things are out there, but that's why I think people like Lance Leipold anyway, the fact that he can coach and, and get that done. They, you know, they, they've won games this year where their back was against the wall. They're going to have to do it again, and yeah, the, I'm the excited defense, I think, to see it. Yeah, the, the word that you used a few weeks ago uh, to describe the the Kansas defense was opportunistic, and I think that's exactly the right word. Um, they're not going to they don't have the talent right now to be a shutdown defense from start to finish. That's just not who they are. But they can get takeaways, and we saw that against Baylor. They had a couple of picks. Melo Dotson, Craig Young uh, had uh, interceptions. Jeremy Robinson forced that fumble, which was great. Um, so they, they're opportunistic for sure. Um, but they've got to try to find a way to at least limit what these teams can do on the ground. They have been gashed defensively in run defense over the last couple of weeks against Oklahoma and against Baylor. Uh, so they've got to find a way to try to stem that a little bit. But if they can continue to be opportunistic and get takeaways, that's going to keep Kansas in every game that they play in from here on out. Here we go. Uh, you know, I just... It doesn't feel to me like Jalen Daniels is going to get back in there. Um, and I just I, – I don't know that we're ever going to get a, a straight answer on that. I think he will. Um, I think he'll be back. I hope so. I hope so because he's too I don't, I don't see any player. reason why he wouldn't. And, you know, the, the fact that on Saturday he's he's on the sideline in full pads – and he's throwing the football has around. That's to be a good uh, sign, right? That's got to be a great sign. And you enter into a bye week. You get another opportunity to to get a little bit more healthy. Um, at, at this point right now, until I'm told otherwise by Lance Leipold, I am full systems go in believing that Jalen Daniels will start against Oklahoma State. That's my belief only. But that's what I'm riding with until I'm told otherwise. Yeah, I don't know what to think. It was weird that that report went out when they thought it was the season and that it was it was disputed so quickly. And I, I think what that told me at that time was we don't know and they don't know. Um, that That's sort of what that felt like to me. We'll find out. They got to – I think at this point, though, you expect them to be able to get a win 
even without him. And if he's able to come back, it could be a whole lot better. If Jalen Daniels is back healthy, this is a totally different conversation, I think. Um, so that's that's sort of the the vibe of Lance Leipold yesterday. I just I loved the twelve point losses last year were cheered for, and now they're just that that just is such a perfect um, description of of the progress of this program. And and you know they've got plenty of opportunities here to get to that bowl game. I mean it'll yeah. be if they get one more win and it's the whatever bowl, the cheese it bowl, like it's going to be as excited any team's ever been to play in whatever that bowl game ends up being as we've ever seen because people will yeah. go nuts for it. One hundred percent. And uh, you know in the meantime, um, if you want to be outed as a KU hater, I'm happy to have that conversation with you. We can we can talk <laughs> it out. We can break it down if you want to, because uh, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily uh, think you're a KU hater, but I, I, mean, I do think you play not. devil's advocate quite a bit, and that's okay. I get it. I, 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 all I do is observe things, and it's not like anything I've said is outrageous. It's literally exactly what's happening, right? I, I said, I said in the beginning, there's a real chance this team goes five and zero and loses the next seven. There is a real chance. That's not hating. That's just pointing something out, and like it doesn't. Here's the reality of anything, and and we were joking about this yesterday. Um, I in TV, we get emails. It's not every day, but it's it feels like most of the time, right? At least once a week, we get emails that we either hate KU, hate K State, or hate Wichita State, right? The reality is, I grew up in the Texas Panhandle and have absolutely no allegiances to any of those schools. Don't know anybody that went to any of those schools other than the friends we've met here, right? I root for them all. Like, I want them all to be awesome. All three of them have provided me wonderful opportunities that I could never replace in my life. I want them all to be great. I want them all to be successful. But our job here is to observe things and talk about them. And and it's this way with the Chiefs, too. There's a lot of time when we're talking about the Chiefs, people take offense to that. And that's being a fan, and all that ever means to me is that your team's doing pretty well, right? Because when you're not, t- you know, if your fan glasses aren't on and and you're not, like, ready to fight back, that just means probably your team's not in relevancy. KU football has, you know, people haven't accused me of being a KU football hater. Maybe ever. And that's just because KU football hasn't had the relevancy. They do now, which is why people take offense. I suspect, Tommy... We're going to see the same sort of thing with K-State basketball, right, this year. If things aren't off to, you know, just this white-hot start. It's not that we don't love the job that Jerome Tang's doing there. We do. But right now, you can make a reasonable argument that they may be at the bottom of the league. And that's going to annoy people or or make them angry or, or make them feel like that's a shot at the program. It's not. It's just an observation of of what, what we see. And what we see is one of the toughest leagues in the country. KU football's not any different than that. What we've seen forever and what we can see on this roster is, or at least for me, is, yeah, they're on the come. But the schedule's backloaded, and we've known that the whole time, and now you also have to throw in a Jalen Daniels injury. I mean, it is it is what it is. It's not hating. It's it's observing. Well, I, I think the K- difference— I, Again, I want them to win every game they play. I, I think the difference is, is that, yeah, the observing is there, but then the interpretation of those observations can— you know, that can be up for debate a little bit, right? Like, what does that mean? 
and what 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 do you feel and how how does that all play into the overall direction of the program and you know we can both observe the same thing that that you know the the back half of the schedule is loaded for Kansas football they win their first five they could potentially lose their last seven and miss out on a bowl game that's that's reality that's the way that it is but how do you interpret that and and what does that mean moving forward and are you more glass half full or glass half empty and I think that and I'm not suggesting that you're glass half empty but I I think I'm a little bit more bullish than you are on the way that the the future looks right now if they do lose out if they do finish five and seven I think you're going to end up a little bit I think you feeling a little bit more disappointed about what could have been than I potentially will be that's just my I will be disappointed yeah I would be disappointed in what could have been for sure I don't think that it what I always and I always ask the question to you because I know you've grown up as a KU fan. Like, how is that going to be perceived? Because the possibility of it happening exists. I don't know, which is why I asked the question. I suspect that there will be a level of disappointment, and now I fear, and I don't know this, but I fear that it could have an impact on Lance Leipold's future. Again, that's a that's a, just an observation of of all the storylines that are out there. I hope that it has none. Right. But that doesn't mean that we can't wonder if it does. And and those are the realities. Here's the other reality. There is far more pressure and opportunity for disappointment the rest of the way here for K-State than there is for KU. Right. K-State is very much on the edge. They're not quite to the edge yet, but the possibility absolutely exists for K-State to have a disappointing year if they you know, if, if things fell apart. Now, I think, again, I don't think they're on that edge yet. They have another big game coming up this weekend, and we suspect Adrian Martinez will play. And if he does, and they lose to Oklahoma State, now they're going to be toward that edge. Because if they're not in the top three to four of the league, I do think it will be a disappointing year. Um, and I do think there's more pressure there because KU's already exceeded their preseason expectation. K-State hasn't met its preseason expectation yet. I feel like there's more pressure there for them, Um, which is why, again, it was very disappointing to see all the injuries that happened within a game last week that they were up 28 to 10. in. it was one of the strangest things I've ever seen to try and just it, it, it was, you know, like even even larger effect to what we saw against TCU for KU. Right. Like the injury, you felt like it. You God, we had them like we could have won that game and and injuries happen. And that, that really is unfortunate. But. I love it. I love that KU fans are excited enough to throw on those fan glasses again for football and take offense and back up their program. That just means relevance, right? And relevance is what we've hoped for KU football now. I'm trying to think if it's been all eight or nine years I've been here. I, I think yeah. that it has. Yeah, it has I'm been. trying to remember <laughs> those first years. I, I I I don't I don't recall exactly, but it's yeah, been relevance bad for a long time. Relevance is what we've hoped for for KU forever. Let's squeeze in a call on this. Scott uh, wants to chime in. Scott, what's going on? Hey, guys. Have we heard anything more about Highshaw? Uh, his, his is year-ending, I believe. Is that right, Tommy? That's my understanding, and it, it, it doesn't sound like – I mean, barring something crazy that, that we'll see him again. I mean, it's and, and I don't I don't yeah, believe it's for the that. Season. It yeah, is. I don't for the believe season. that. Yeah, I, I from what we saw, you know, it was a hip injury. Um, I can't imagine that going into the last few weeks of the season that we would see him um, 
play at all. And, and that, that's, a, that's a huge loss. I mean, I don't think that can be understated at all. And, Jacob, you've talked about that no, before. He's, about he's their, he's their most, he was their most physical runner. And was, 100%. You know, you've know, you got to have that physicality in the Big 12. You've got to. Uh, I, I and, think and, uh, in the losing Kobe also is another yeah. thing that's going to really, really hurt him on Kobe, the outside. Kobe had a chance, I think, to come back, um, and I haven't seen um, that latest injury news. But for Highshaw, you know, at the time when that happened with Highshaw, I thought, you know, to myself, and I think I said it here. The way that Bean was able to move the ball in the quick time that we saw him, I felt like the high shot injury was going to have a bigger impact on this team, even than Daniels at the time. Now, long term, I don't know that that's the case, but in the short term, I thought the high shot injury hurt him more than even the Daniels injury. And high shot was balling when he went down. Appreciate it, I, I Scott. I totally, totally agree you. with you. Yep, and, and I think that you know, real quick on on Kobe Bryant, we talked about the opportunistic defense. He's a ball hawk. And that, you know, he, he's a he's a guy that contributes big time to that opportunistic defensive unit. They're, like I said, they're not going to be a shutdown defense this season. They don't have the personnel to do it, but they they gravely miss Kobe Bryant being able to be that ball hawk. Um, yeah, I don't know that we've gotten a definitive answer since he was carted off with that ankle injury. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we have a defined answer. It's hard in college. We don't get a lot of solid injury updates like we do in the NFL. Eight six nine twelve forty. Sports Daily rolling here on a Tuesday. We'll come back right after this. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
Welcome back, Sports Daily on KFH. Uh, the quarterback storylines never disappoint in the NFL. And, huh, Matt Ryan, for whatever reason, is, whether it's injury or they're just deciding to make a move here, Tommy, the Colts are making a move, Sam Ellinger. And they can't get quarterback solved since Andrew Luck's retirement. What do you think? I, I think that the Colts are just moving on here. Yeah, I, I think they are too. Um, I'm a little bit perplexed that they're going to Sam Ellinger, who's the what the the third string quarterback, and not Nick Foles. Uh, which I, I'll be a little bit honest, I was surprised Nick Foles was even still in the league. Um, I didn't realize he was. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. If, I mean, that shows that. I guess they don't have confidence in Ryan's or Foles for that matter. Um, or is the full tank job on? I, I don't know necessarily. Um, I, my only, my only opinion, my only thought on this when I, when I saw it come down yesterday was I can't believe the Kansas city chiefs lost to the Colts. Like if this is the move that they're making, <laughs> I cannot believe they lost that game. Yeah. It's, um, it's it, it is what it is. This is still the NFL. The Bears still beat the Patriots by however many points last night, right? Um, it's it's interesting. And Pro Football Talk basically says this is a business decision, and that Jim Ursay made the decision, and that it would have meant a whole lot more money next year if Ryan were to be injured at any point this year, uh, because in you know on top of the fully guaranteed money that he's going to get next year there becomes a whole bunch more if he gets hurt this year. So uh, it, like seven and a half million dollars. So they're making the decision now that Ryan's not their long-term answer and it's a business decision. And I get that, right? Like we have, I don't know that we've seen enough from Matt and I love Matt Ryan. I love his career. I think he's generally underrated for what he's done over a career. He was an MVP. He has not, he has not aged as gracefully as Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, and that's okay. Those guys are unicorns in that regard. Um, he's aged, you know, like the rest of us do. But it's not going to be him for Indianapolis, so I get it. And I don't think it's going to be Sam Ellinger or Nick Foles either. I'd call the New England Patriots right now and ask about Mac Jones. I'll tell you that right now. Um, or you just have to take your chances in the draft. What's going to be out there that's not in the draft? I and mean, that's the reality for the Colts right now. How are you going to answer this position? And they've tried a number of different ways over the years to do it without doing what they need to do. And a very fortunate franchise. So you don't have a lot of sympathy for a franchise that falls into Peyton Manning and then Andrew Luck, right? Like Luck was the word. Like you go from Peyton Manning right to Andrew Luck. That doesn't happen very often. So they're going to have to go through the draft and do this. Um, I mean, maybe Sam Ellinger has something. I, it, it doesn't appear to be the answer. Nick Foles is now the backup. But what in the world do you do if you're the Colts who feel like, man, we've got a really good team and we've got we've got a good group of receivers. We feel like we have the best running back in football. Our defense has kept us in games. Is there anything that they could do right now to try and keep themselves relevant? I mean, they're in a division – Right, that is not a. It's one of the worst divisions in football. I think if we're being honest, is there an answer this season for this? I mean, can you can you give the ball to Jonathan Taylor fifty times? I mean, that's that's kind of where where I'm at right now with the Colts. They're they're not going to get it right. I don't think they haven't gotten the quarterback position right. 
since Andrew Luck retired. I mean, they've had Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz and now Matt Ryan. I'm more interested on what happens with Matt Ryan. Will he be traded by the deadline? Is he done? Will he retire? Nobody's going to trade with another for team? him. Yeah, nobody's going to trade for him. I think he'll he probably play? just sit there. Hopefully you he'll help the young guys. Yeah, probably. Probably so. Unless he just so desperately wants to play that he's willing to go be a backup. I, I think he's done being a starter. Uh, they're, they're a half game behind Tennessee right now in a bad division. I'm not so sure they don't try and do something now. We'll see. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, we'll come back. We'll put a bow on this Tuesday right after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.